Hi, everybody. So, I want to ask you a question, and I, want you, I won't tell you what I think is the answer straight away. I just want you to think about it. What would you say is the most basic, fundamental reason why, often as Christians, we either feel far from God or close to God, or either we are fruitful in God or unfruitful in God, or you could apply it to business or entrepreneurs as well, why some businesses and entrepreneurs thrive and some fail. What is the most basic thing? Have a think. While I show you a beautiful, beautiful thing. So this is one of my favorite things. Isn't it beautiful? It's a pressure washer, but it's not an electric one. This is three times more powerful. It's a petrol pressure washer. And this was my um, gift to Michelle on our 11th wedding anniversary. (laughs) And... And I didn't think it through very well because she was really angry and really cross. (laughs) Mainly because, yes, it was very expensive, but also, and it's such a great gift, it actually got, the postman stole it the first time, had to get it delivered again. Um, Also, it's just so big, even to get it out the shed took me ages last night. So it is so amazing, but it has got one thing that redeems it. So, Michelle is really, really into cleaning. She loves things to be clean, which winds me up. And um, so I pointed out to her, Michelle, this is a cleaning device. Anyway, a few days later, she, I fired it up for her, got it all ready, and she tried it outside on this like big concrete area around our house that is black all the way around, and she was blown away. She was converted. She fell completely in love with it. This is now the best gift she's received in her whole life. And honestly, it is so amazing. It's so powerful. If you got a bucket of water and chucked a thousand buckets of water, it wouldn't have cleaned this patio. But this, literally, in just seconds, just... (laughs) And what is the one thing that redeems this? What is the one strength this has? It is focus. Focus. That's all it has. Water has no power in itself when it's just in a bucket. But it focuses it. And it is exactly the same in our Christian lives. Every time we're not feeling close to God, or every time He feels far away, or every time it feels like we're being, why am I so unfruitful in my life? Guess what the answer is? It's not that God's gone anywhere. Has God gone anywhere? No. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's, we're not orphans. He's our Father. He lives inside us. The problem is our focus. We are focused on earthly things. We're distracted by really good things, good, important things, all the time. But we've lost our focus on God. And we need all throughout our day, all throughout our day, to be training our minds. Mind. Think about Jesus again. Just drawing our minds back, centering our minds to him. Saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I adore you. That's what we need. So the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at radical discipleship. And this is the first one. The fruitfulness of focus. Focus. So remember this picture of this pressure washer because it took me so long to drag it out of the shed. (laughs) 
Paul in Colossians 3 says this incredible, beautiful thing. Since you've been, did you know that you've been raised? Did you know that you've been raised as well? It wasn't just Christ who was raised. You were also raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Say that again, not on earthly things. And again, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now Paul isn't saying we should neglect earthly things, that we should, we should never clean anything or do anything physical. That's not what he's saying. He's basically saying probably 96% of our day, of our lives, is spent on earthly things. And maybe 4 3% or 3%, 2% is spent meditating, thinking on Jesus. How about we turn that around? Or how about we just even it out so we're focusing more on God and it will t- that focus will give us, that's when we get the power. That's when you get the fruitfulness, when you, we're focusing on Jesus. And first of all here, Paul gives us the amazing reason of why we should do this and why we can do it. Because we have been raised with Christ. Imagine today, if I told you the ridiculous thing, I said, right, I want you for the rest of your life to swim underwater and never come up to breathe. You'd be like, I can't do that. I physically can't do it. It's impossible. But if you magically turned into a fish, then you'd be able to do it. If I told a non-Christian, someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, focus on Jesus, Focus on him in your mind. Live your life just thinking about him, talking to him. Could they do it? Absolutely not. It's impossible. But now that you've been raised with Christ, it is literally like you've become a new species. It is like, almost like a person turning into a fish. It's almost, it's like that. It's now a human being turning into someone who's got God living in them who's a new creation, who's been raised up with Christ. Wow, we've been raised up. So in the past, you couldn't have done this. This focus is just a no-go area. Impossible. But now you can do it. Because Jesus is living in you. You're a new creation. So it's time for us to focus. And I just want to say a little bit, little thing about the battle that is raging over our lives. There is a massive battle for our focus. What would you say is the most valuable resource on the earth right now? Is it diamonds or chocolate or gold? It, no, it's your attention. Your attention. And we know that social media is just one way where culture around us, day in, day out, is completely geared up to grabbing your attention. And they can make money out of your attention without you even buying anything. Our attention is so valuable and so fought after. And we know the enemy is behind it. He's desperately trying to get your attention. So much so that the second you leave these doors, or even while you're here with your phone, the world, earthly things, good things, they're normally good things. Most of us aren't doing really terrible things. They're good things, but they 
are the enemy of, of, the good, of the best. The good is the enemy of the best. And these earthly things, they destroy our focus on God. We lose our pressure and power and fruitfulness and purpose. And our attention is such a precious thing. We must steward it well throughout our day, just drawing our attention back to Christ. And the reason why we don't, often don't perceive God, the reason why he feels far away, is just because our attention has been on other things. And the Word of God promises you, promises us, if we would just give him our attention, then he would draw close to us. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Seek the Lord with your whole heart and he will come to you in beautiful, powerful ways. We will be experiencing God like we never have before. There will be renewal in our lives. I don't know if you've ever tasted a breath of revival in your life where God, suddenly, the fire comes. It is utterly incredible, intoxicating. That will be our experience if our attention was on Jesus throughout our day more and more and more. I love this story of these two guys. Try and guess who they are. Anyone guess who these two guys are? It's from the Old Testament, Genesis. Yeah, Jacob and Esau. So Esau is the hairy guy on the left. He was, so they're twins, but he popped out first. So he was massively advantaged in every way. Not only was his, he was his father's favorite, because he was a hunter and he was just an amazing guy, strong guy, going out hunting, catching stuff for the family. His dad adored him. He got the birthright because he came out first. And that wasn't just about physical stuff. It was about the blessing of Abraham. To, to receive the birthright was just to receive the most phenomenal spiritual blessing upon your life that you and your family would go and multiply and thrive. It meant everything to have God's blessing on your life like it does today. We are blessed And in those days, to have this birthright meant everything. But did Esau value it? Was he focused upon that birthright? No, he was distracted by earthly things. And he came home one day. He'd been hunting all day, chasing animals down. And obviously probably not caught anything. And he was starving. And he said to his brother, what are you making there? That that smells amazing. And... Jacob was an introverted guy and he just liked to stay by the tent at home. His dad didn't really like him much. This is a sad story. He didn't really click with his dad. Um, but Esau says, can I have that? Can I have that stew? And Jacob thinks. See, Jacob isn't focused. Yes, he's cooking food. That's a good thing to do. We need to, obviously need to do earthly things. But his heart and mind is on the blessing of God. His heart and mind is on heavenly things, on, on Christ. So he thinks this is an opportunity to get the blessing of God. So he says, okay, I'll give you my stew if you promise to give me your birthright. And Esau is just so earthly minded. He has no focus on Christ, no focus on God that he surrenders his birthright. He loses the blessing of God on his life. And 
we see it unfold again when their dad is on his, their, his deathbed and says, bring me my son Esau that I may bless him. And Jacob is so keen and focused to get the blessing that while Esau is out hunting, Jacob sneaks in, dresses up as Esau in hair, fur, and steals the birthright, steals the blessing because he is so focused on the blessing of God. How focused are we on God? How focused are we on His Holy Spirit filling us? And I, I, the Bible promises us this. The more times throughout our day that we just draw our minds back to Christ and His kingdom, the more we'll be empowered, the more we'll be full of joy, full of love, full of the fruits of the Spirit. It's so simple this, but it is a massive battle. And God promises you this morning, if, if you feel disadvantaged in life like Jacob, often I feel like all of us feel like Jacob sometimes, like, oh, I wish I was like someone else. I wish like they've got more than me. That guy was the favorite. No, it was Jacob who got the blessing of God because he was focused. It doesn't matter about your weaknesses. God uses our weaknesses. It's about our focus. If we can just learn to focus on Christ, no matter how weak we are or frail we are, God will use us for incredible things. Now I want to just finish by um, reading a couple of examples. This is one of my favorite books that whenever I read it, I experience the fire of God in my heart. It's called Welsh Revival. Um, I just really recommend this book, Thomas Phillips. We've got a Welsh man right here. In fact, you're both, both a bit Welsh. Um, so the bit I'm going to read out is about the, the earlier Welsh revival in eight, the 1850s. And it just encourages me so much that, God, this is, these are about, it's about people who learned to set their hearts and minds on Christ. And they saw God move in amazing ways. The first story is at right at the start of the revival in 1850s, and this is how it started. There was a pastor in Wales, and he went over to America to see what God was doing. There was a move of God in America, and he was just blown away. He couldn't believe how all these Christians were so alive, so on fire for God, so in love with Jesus. He'd never seen it before. He came back to Wales, and he was utterly depressed. <laughs> All the churches were kind of full. They were looking fine. All these little chapels everywhere full with people. But it was just depressing. There was no sense of life and mission. And it's like, where is God? The people are here. They're doing all the external stuff. But people's hearts are hard. And he was grieving. And he just felt so fed up about his nation. So he began to gather people to pray. And people didn't get it. They didn't even want to join him to pray. And then he preached a sermon, and it was an awkward sermon. It was from Amos 6, and the title of the sermon was, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. <laughs> Imagine, like, it's not the most encouraging sermon. And nobody enjoyed the sermon, apparently. Apparently, he found it horrible to preach because it felt like God wasn't in the room. And he was just dying inside, crying out, God, where are you? Where are you in our nation today? We're not called to just have people in a church building. We're called to be an army that is on fire and alive, being radical disciples. Anyway, 
when he finished the message, um, an elder in the church stood up, shook his head, and says, how can I give my amen to that message when I feel so condemned? And the man, it says, he, the man sat down in his seat as though he fainted. And that moment, something broke that was going to break in the whole nation. Something in that moment. And they had no reference for it. They'd never seen God move in power like this before. They'd heard stories from their parents when their parents were little, but they'd never seen anything like it. And they were skeptical. But all of a sudden, people started bowing their heads. Every person in the, in the church started weeping. And there just became an incredible atmosphere into the room. And they wept, and they wept, and they wept. And then a few weeks later, there was just a normal church meeting. This, this is how the revival was starting. So people then had began to pray. Like a couple of times a week, they would meet up to pray. And, and they said, before long, they knew that the Lord was with them. It didn't feel like it at, start, at the start, but before long they knew God was with them and it, they could tell there was just a beautiful sense of faith when they prayed together. And then this was a normal church meeting with skeptical people. They'd never seen God move before. They'd heard stories from previous generations but never seen it in the church meeting. So before separating or before the end of the meeting, our beloved minister administered... administered the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And in reading the word of God and making a few passing remarks thereon, an influence was felt by all present, which we had never experienced in the like manner before. There was a beauty, a loveliness about the holy word, which we had never hitherto perceived. New light seemed to be thrown upon it. It electrified us. And caused us to weep with joy. The feeling became general. All present were under its influence. The hardest of hearts were forced to succumb. After some time we partook of the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. But under strange emotions. And then we sang. A, we sang with spirit. And repeated the hymn again and again. We could not leave off. Every heart seemed inspired to continue. And the last two lines were sung for a full quarter of an hour. Then the minister prayed. And it was such a prayer that we have never heard before uttered. We felt that we were communing with God. Our hearts were truly poured out in praises and supplications. We could have prayed all night. But at length the prayer terminated. And we were to separate. But did we separate? Oh no. Everyone resumed his seat and kept silence. And there were, there were for a length of time under the most heavenly feelings. Every heart was subdued. No one dared speak except by tears. And we were afraid lest anyone should speak and put an end to the spell. We were at a loss to know what course should be adopted. Our feelings having been raised to so high a pitch, the difficulty was how to bring the service to a close and to secure a separation without having the divine influence marred. We were anxious that our impressions should continue. 
At length, the minister rose and slowly and pathetically read several appropriate portions of the scriptures. Then we sang again and afterwards prayed again. And the meeting carried on for four hours. The effects were not transient. They have left a deep impression on our minds and have influenced our conduct for good. We feel more serious and more ready to speak about our religious life, more anxious as regards to the salvation of the world, and more desirous that the Lord would dwell amongst us and favor us with a still greater outpouring of his Holy Spirit. In truth, it was good to be there. So it's in a... I mean, this book, it just gets more and more dramatic throughout the book. It's incredible. And I love the way, in that moment, God produced, or in the next few weeks and months, tens of thousands of lives that were focused on Jesus, that were radical disciples. And I want to be like that. I long to be like that more and more and more. And we can't do it in our own strength. Like these people had the Spirit of the Lord moving upon their lives. And we need God's Spirit. So there's be people who are praying every day, asking God, move upon my life. So practically, I just encourage you to set alarms on your phone, maybe little buzzers or something that will remind you to draw your attention back to Christ and to asking him to pour out his spirit upon you and upon his people. I encourage you, even if it's not food, I think fasting food is a great thing, but even if it's not that, fast something physical that you love. Something earthly that you love. I'm trying to do that. Some things that I'm obsessed with that I love that are good things. I'm trying to fast them and it makes me really hungry for Jesus. It is so powerful to fast in any way. But I just want to encourage us also to meet up with one another. Discipleship partnerships, friendships, connect groups. We need to be meeting with other Christians. But as I finish, I don't want to leave us feeling condemned in any way. Because if I'm honest, I lose the focus of my life all the time and I waste time in my life because I'm not focusing on Christ. But we can just relax this morning and rejoice that there was one man 2,000 years ago who never lost his focus. And we know that throughout his life, it says his face was set like flint towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. And why did Jesus go to the cross and focus? Because we lost our focus. And so it's okay this morning. He doesn't condemn us for a second. He says, "You, my children, you are completely okay and forgiven. Holy, it's gone. It's washed away. And now you've been raised you can now enjoy God because you are a different species. So let's just pray together. We're going to sing another song in a moment. I would love it if anyone would like prayer for focus in their lives on Jesus. Come forward here. We'd love to pray for you. Um, But if the band want to come up, we're going to just pray for a moment. Jesus, we love you. Let's just tell him. Let's just tell him. Should we tell him? Let's all tell him ourselves. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. And I want to pray for each person's mind in this room and heart and imagination. You know, our minds are like muscles. 
We need to build the muscle in our mind that is about dwelling on Christ, meditating on Christ. That's a muscle, and we need to build it. For some of us, it's very weak. And I know in my life, it's way too weak. That muscle of dwelling on Christ, drawing close to Him, that's the most important muscle we could ever strengthen and build. So Lord, I want to ask for help this morning. Like in the Welsh Revival, Lord, pour out your Spirit amongst us. Let something break. Lord, we know the church in our nation is in, in a desperate way. A desperate way. Probably much worse than Wales before that revival in Wales. And we're crying out to you, Lord, come and break something open in our midst. Come and bring revival in our hearts, in our lives, in our town. But start with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't let us leave this place without experiencing you. Receiving a fresh impartation of you, Holy Spirit.